This morning, I would I I feel that this is one of those difficult messages. Uh, two areas that are difficult as a pastor, I think, is for me anyway, is preaching on tithe. Because it seems to be one of those issues that always seems to just kind of stir people. And the other one is, is on the issue of authority. Because both of these kind of come back to your pastor. These two areas have been abused in the past and they directly affect the office of pastor. But this morning I would like to speak a balanced area in this life, I would like to, I don't want this to intrude and, and, and I don't want this to be uh, something that causes offense, but I want it to be something that as we look at what the word of God says about it, that it would be something that would, would stir us. In 32 years of ministry, I've seen the abuses of this area. There was a movement in one time, probably about 20 years ago, the shepherding movement, which, which happened was the pastor, you couldn't do anything without asking the pastor. You had to ask the pastor if you could do this or that, or, or you could marry, or you could date this person. Person. And so there was, there was abuse in that area. But I, what I want to do this morning is just explore just for a moment what the Bible says about authority and how we are supposed to operate within that. I want to try to tackle this not by what our American culture would say or what even the church norm is. I want to look at it from a bu- purely biblical perspective. What does the Word of God say about submission and authority? And what happens in the midst of that, the roots of rebellion. I want to look at three areas this morning. Government, family, and the household of faith. These three things. I'm going to jump around a little bit, so I won't be... I'm not going to say there's not going to be a three-point message, but I want you to look this morning. If we look at government first, it was Jesus gave us the pattern of his relationship to government. Jesus did not try to overthrow government. In fact, he understood what the the government's place was. Do we see Jesus ever trying to denounce and trying to to bring about some kind of a, hey, let's overthrow the Roman rule? No, he didn't do that. The Pharisees at one time in Matthew chapter 12 were trying to trick Jesus into regarding to paying taxes and that authority issue. He said, bring me a coin. And in Mark 12, 17, he said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to God, what is God's? And they were amazed at him. He took the coin and he said, whose conscription is on there? And he said, Caesar. And he says, then give to Caesar what's Caesar's. He's, he was giving us a, a, a part of this. He's saying, listen, I don't want you, we're not in this. He wasn't in the, he didn't come to overthrow government. What he wanted us to do is see that he was still in charge in, in the sense, but yet he understood the, the place of it. In this, season of, in this season of voting, choosing a president, Ron said this at the sunrise service. He says, this morning, you know what? He was, he was telling us that it's not a matter of what we vote for. We're not putting our trust in a man or a woman. We're putting our trust, we're putting our hope in Jesus Christ. The things that we see on the outside, I would, I, you know what? It, I, I'm not going to say I don't care who, who wins because at this point, it, it's kind of a, a toss-up. But what I want you to understand... <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't supposed to say that. But see, here's the deal. Voting has its place. I love this country. I love the fact that we can choose. I love the freedom. But I want you to to know this morning is that there is no other place that I would rather live. But I don't put my hope in the voting process. You know, if you look at the Bible, it was Pontius Pilate who brought out two men. One of them was Barabbas and one of them was Jesus. And he let the people take a vote as to who was supposed to die and who was supposed to be released. The people voted. 
they chose to crucify Christ and let Barabbas, the criminal, be released. See, even from the very beginning, I don't have a trust in the voting process. But in the midst of this, think about this, that even in the vote, when it looks as though it's out of God's hands, God's will was still accomplished. God's rule is absolute. Nothing can compare. This relationship has no equal. Our obedience has no rival. His sovereignty is unquestionable. Acknowledgement of God's authority and our submission to his authority. Many will say, well, I don't have a problem with that. I can answer to God. I answer to God only. But it's interesting enough is that our relationship and our submission to God is tied to our submission to those around us. Paul gives this in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 2, 1. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for all kings and those in authority, that we may live in peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and all holiness. Romans says it even farther. This is our keynote verse for this morning. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God who has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. It's amazing that the God of this universe would even acknowledge the little simpleness of our government. He is fully aware of who is in power. He is he has allowed those in position. It is not by accident. And if we rebel against it, we are rebelling against God. In fact, the very word rebel there in that scripture is the word cremo. And it means this. This is an everlasting damnation or torment for the unredeemed. He's saying that this is the kind of rebellion. This is a very distinct word he talks about here. So I want you to remember this. Rebelling against authority brings judgment. I lost my place there. Two commands he gives us regarding this. He says, to pray for your leaders and to be submissive to your leaders. God's giving us a pattern. He's saying it, he's telling us there, he says, this, this, he's saying rebelling against authority brings judgment. He says, you will not experience kingdom living without walking in submission to God's plan of authority in your life. If you think that you can walk this life out and walk outside of God's uh, plan for us to be in submission, then you will never experience the kingdom living. See, because it is this. He says, that's because the man is, his, is qualified as a leader by who he is and not by what he does. See, this is the difference today. See, Paul's qualifications, if you look at the qualifications to be an overseer or to be a deacon or to be an elder, and guess what? They all are encompassed around the same, even the the pastor. Leadership is not just exclusive to the pastor. What I'm required to do, you as leadership are also required to do. If you look in 1 Timothy, he talks about that. And he doesn't tell us what we have to do. He tells us how we're supposed to be. As leaders, as deacons, or as, as leaders in a church, we are required to, to live up to a certain standard that God has prescribed. Anything outside of that is rebellion. In family matters, God created them. He said male and female. It was his original do- design. God created this hierarchy. He said that Christ would be the head of the church and the husband would be the head of the family. 
Throughout history, the enemy has used a female to usurp the original intent of God. Until today, even today, we have this feminist movement. And I'm not, I'm not against the fact that women can vote. I'm telling you what the Word of God talks about. It says this, that in our, in our relationship with our husband and our wife, the husband is the head. He designed it that way. This isn't Greg telling you. This isn't the church telling you. This is what the Word of God says. He designed it this way. He put it in this place because he had a design and a purpose for us, how we were supposed to live. I didn't get very many bands from ladies there. <laughs> Some this morning would say, well, Greg, you don't understand. You don't know my husband. He is not responsible. He is not a spiritual leader. He walks in sin. He may even be unsaved. Okay, well, Peter had an answer for that. He said, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. See, when we leapfrog over the design that God put in place, I'm going to tell you guys this morning, and maybe we won't like it very much, but it is rebellion. When we leapfrog over any area that God has designed, he has put in place for authority, whether it's for the government, whether it's for family, or for whether, whether it's for the church. When we leapfrog over what God has designed, we are in rebellion. A lot of amens there too. <laughs> Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. See, if a wife shows submission unto her husband when she, is a, when she allows him to take leadership in the relationship, when a woman submits unto her husband, she is actually submitting unto God. See, this isn't a dominance issue. This isn't a slave-master relationship. This is an under-God relationship. I have submitted myself to my husband's leadership. I have submitted myself to my pastor's leadership because God has called us to operate in, in function together. And believe me, this morning, man, you are not off the hook. This responsibility is great and it is enormous. This means that the spiritual judgment falls on you. I may lead, but I am accountable to God and to my wife. What I want you to know this morning is you may be the leader, but you are still accountable. And you need to put yourself in that accountability place. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If men, if you have a problem with doing something that you're not supposed to do, whether it's looking at pornography or looking at things that you're not supposed to or doing things you're not supposed to. You need to put a lock on that situation and hand the key over to your wife and tell her that she can decide when and where. See, if you have a TV that, just op- that can be opened up to the world, you know what you need to do? You need to let your wife make the lock. She needs to, she needs to put the combo in so that you can't dig around in there. Maybe it's even the computer. Now, is that, is that, a, is that submit? Yes, it is. Because we are still accountable. We have been, we're accountable to our wives in how we live. How we, you know, my wife, she always puts me in check. They say, well, that, that's, no, what I'm telling you is we should be put in check. We, should, we need to be placed in where God put, he put us in this position together as a helpmate so that we could work this life out together, that we could bring the kingdom together.
Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He gave us these things to the church. He gave us the gift of pastors, teachers, evangelists, and, and, and prophets, and apostles, because he, he wanted us no longer to be children. He wanted us to be mature. He says it at the very beginning, to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He goes on in the verse after this, he says, you are no longer children if you're walking in this. Jeremiah said it like this, Jeremiah 3.15, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. See, most of us will do real good until something that we don't like we hear from the pastor. We'll do really good with him until he, he steps on our toes. We'll do good, real good with him until he, he gives us something that we're not happy with. It's the same thing in our marriage. It's the same thing in our families. See, we'll go along and we'll be content and we'll be happy with what's happening until all of a sudden, ah, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'll ask you this morning, is witchcraft an open door to the, to, to the demonic in a person's life? Most of us all would say, yes, it is. So look, look at Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 23. The King James says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. The New American Standard says, For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. For rebellion in the NIV, rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the, the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as the king. He was telling Saul this. Samuel was. See, we all agree that witchcraft would be an open door for the enemy. The Bible here says that rebellion is just like the sin of witchcraft. I will offer you this morning is that if we walk in rebellion in all these circumstances that I've given you, whether it's the church, whether it's our homes, when we walk in open rebellion, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what? Come on in, enemy. Come on in. See, we've left an open door for the enemy when we walk in rebellion. Rebellion is the open door to the demonic in a person's life. The Bible strictly warns us against rebellion, and its consequences are not to be taken lightly. God's Word tells us that rebellion is the same category as the sin of witchcraft. Some would say today, well, I would never. Do you walk in rebellion to those in authority, to your pastor, to your husband, to your government? We open the door to the enemy. Permission is granted. We might as well just say, come on in. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but you know what? The enemy can just come in now and just wreak havoc in my life. Nobody's going to tell me to do, tell, no, nobody's going to tell me what to do. See, it's not about being possessed. It's about being influenced. We are either walking in alignment to the Holy Spirit in the divine order that God has prescribed, or the enemy has gained access and sets our agenda. Who's setting your agenda this morning? Who do you live in response to? By default, if you're not chasing God, it's the enemy. Because he's the prince and power of the air. Proverbs 17.11 says this, An evil man seeketh only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Literally, this verse says this, A cruel angel will be dispatched. 
See, you wonder sometimes why you have so much turmoil, so much confusion, so much unsuredness. The enemy's just been dispatched against you because you, when, some, when we walk in rebellion, the, in, the enemy has an open door. The solution is this. It is an ardent, deliberate act. Many cases of removing the enemy's foothold may mean an eviction process. It may mean us coming into divine alignment with God. Our flesh will fight it. Our soul will resist it. But I will tell you this morning, if you truly want to not walk in rebellion, it is going to be a battle because the very, our very nature, our very flesh, wants to walk in rebellion. When we jump over, when we murmur, we complain against the things that God has established, whether it's our husband, whether it's our pastor or leader, we ourselves are in judgment. The Bible says it in Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authority, for there is no authority except that which God established. And he says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. James says it like this, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more harshly, more strictly. When we leapfrog over God's authority, we place ourselves in judgment, and even in the place of all these things we've talked about this morning with rebellion, whether it's in the church, whether it's in our home. I want to read a quick story to you. I don't want to offer you this morning this story as a doctrine, but I want to offer it only as a mere possibility. It's not meant to scare you, though I'll tell you this, it scared me. I take these things seriously. I take this accountability seriously. I take the fear of the Lord and the honor of the office of which I stand before you this morning, not lightly or even presumptive. Pastor Yong Du Kim, he wrote a book called Baptized by Blazing Fire. He writes there in this story, he says, even later that night, as I was continuing to pray, I was taking da- taken down to hell. I was in a place where there was some devil jabbing a long spear into rectangular-shaped boxes. With foul language, it shouted, you think you're a pastor. What kind of life did you live? I'm ecstatic that you are here with me. The evil spirit continued to jab the boxes as it cursed loud. Painful screams came from the boxes as blood flowed out. I noticed the tops of the boxes were covered with canvas with a large cross portrayed upon it. The boxes were lined up in an orderly fashion and they stretched endlessly. I could not see where they ended. I realized that they were coffins. Evil spirits were jabbing their long spears into the holes unmercifully. I asked the Lord Jesus, why are, the caskets, uh, why, why are these caskets of former pastors here? Jesus replied, these pastors did not preach my gospel. They preached another gospel, and those who followed became depraved. This is their end result. I'm not motivated this morning, I want you to know, by any other means to make sure that I make myself accountable but the part that scares me, and you could say, well, you know what, Greg, I don't know if I believe that story. I don't know if I believe that vision that that guy had. Okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I won't argue with you in that. I'm not trying to make doctrine out of it. But what I do know is this. The Bible's very clear that those, those who, those who, in James, he says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I will offer you this, that when we leapfrog over God's design. We put ourselves in that same judgment. 
When we leapfrog over what God has put, has put into place, we're, 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 it's, it's rebellion, he says, and we're subjecting ourselves to judgment. This morning, I want us to submit ourselves to what God has, the plan that God has for us. His word gives us, he's, his word gives us the plan. His word gives us the, the strategy. His word gives us the principle. If we will just live it out, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our church, whether it's in our community. God is calling us this morning. He's saying, listen, what, where will you line up with me? Will you, will you bring yourself into divine order with me? See, when I think about that story, whether it's true or not, I know the, I've, I've read about the pastor and I, and I believe he's a, he's a man of God. But this is the part that just makes me, the accountability that I have. The accountability that you have this morning. Maybe you're in leadership here. Maybe you're a deacon in this church. I had a pastor friend not too long ago, he went to a new church, and he, he said, hey Greg, I, I met with my board, and I said, well that's pretty cool, and he was telling me all about it, he goes, I don't know if all of them are even saved. See, in my 32 years of, of ministry, but before that I had 18 years that I lived in a pastor's home, I've seen what goes on in churches. I've seen the foolishness. I've seen churches where the board members get together and have drinking parties. I've seen churches where people that are on the board should have never been there. And what I'm saying this morning is, is, is that in our situation here, in the leadership that God has brought us, do not take it lightly. The leadership that God has placed you in, if you are in a place of leadership, if you're, if you're in any role of leadership... Do not take that call lightly. It is a call. It is very clear from God's word in Timothy that as an overseer or an elder, you are, you're subject to the same responsibility and roles that I am. So some of you this morning say, well, you know what? I'm never going to be a board member of that church. <laughs> no, what I want us to do is I want us to, I want us to see that God has a plan. He's got a purpose. But when we step out of it and we try to go over the top and we try to do something that is, in, is not in God's order, whether it's in our homes or, or even in the church, we, we subject ourselves to the rebellion. We're saying, you know what? Okay, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't need your help on this. I got this. I got this, God. This morning, I'd like to, to close with this prayer. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. My prayer today is this, Lord, place us under your divine authority that I would not rebel, that I would not resist to those you have me under, that I would demonstrate submission to those you have placed in authority over me. This covering, this protection, this umbrella would allow me to grow and mature as a disciple in Christ and to become the person that you have destined me to be. May my lips be silent when I want to break out. May my soul come into a complete alignment with the Holy Spirit who instructs me in the path set out for me. That the Holy Spirit would set my agenda. That I would become conscious of His presence, His leading in my daily affairs. And God, that I would refuse to leap over or to try to sidestep Your divine authority. God, I say this 
body line up with my mind, mind line up with my spirit, and spirit line up with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I do not want to be influenced. I do not want to be tormented. I don't even want to be hassled and, 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 and ravaged by the enemy. Lord, I do not want to walk in rebellion. This morning, I ask God that you would forgive me, cleanse me. Lord, wash me and free me. Lord, this morning, that there are wives here today that maybe have stepped outside of the order that you have placed. God, I ask this morning that there would be a turnaround. There would be a change. There would be divine order in the home. Lord, where there's children that have stepped out of line, where they've rebelled against the things that, the, that have been planted in them, God, I pray this morning there would be a divine order that would come back to the home. And Lord, I pray that over our church, you would bring divine order back in alignment the spiritual authority that you have given us. Lord, we place ourselves in submission to it. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in your name. Amen.